Thank you for tuning in to A Priceless Perspective. I'm your host, Nicole Steele, and as many of you know, our show is designed to shine light on the issues and challenges facing teen girls and their families. As the founder and executive director of Diamond in the Rough, if there's one thing I have seen plaguing our community, it is the issue in this epidemic of absentee fathers. And so today we are excited to have with us Ms. Tori Evans, who's the founder and CEO of the Fatherless Generation Foundation, an Atlanta-based nonprofit organization committed to reuniting fathers and their children while providing resources and support to families. Welcome, Ms. Evans. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am wonderful. How are you today? I am doing good, and again, we are really excited to have you here today. We, um, we've had the pleasure at Diamond in the Rough in working with you and your uh, organization, and you all are really on the ground floor doing some incredible work. I'd like for you to share with our listeners a little bit about the Fatherless Generation Foundation and um, just what led you to start that organization. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny how God will use that thing in your life that you think no one can work with, nothing can get you past this. And growing up fatherless myself, I not once saw myself ever doing this work. I grew up without my biological father in the home, and at 31, I felt a need to find out who my father is or was um, so that I could make sure that my children did not see it as a norm. I don't have children yet, but it was just a preparation. It was just breaking the cycle and making sure that that didn't take place in my own life. And going out on search for my father, I had to ask my mother some hard questions, and that was not easy even at 31 years old. And asking her the questions, I found um, that there were two names, and I went through the process and found my father. And by the time I was 32, um, it probably wasn't even that long, really, that he became my father. And that was the very thing that pushed me to start this. I am a very spiritually connected person, and there was a point where I sat down with my father and I realized that there were other individuals out here who had similar stories to, you know, as mine, and they really wanted to find their fathers. Or if they were connected to them in some way, they needed that connection to be Stable, and they needed it to be consistent. And so that is really how the Fatherless Generation Foundation got started. And for those of those, because I'm sure there are listeners who are eager to know, how was, I guess, interaction when you actually found your father? Was he receptive? Was he open and, and you know, and and excited about you seeking him out, or was it a varied emotions? I can imagine, I can only imagine from your perspective, you know, just preparing to meet him, you had to probably be guarded somewhat. What if he doesn't accept me? What if he doesn't want to get to know me? Did it turn out good? I mean, are, do you all have a relationship today? You know, I, I remember <laughs> I had flown into Detroit because he was in my hometown that whole time. And so my mother picked me up, and we were driving to my hometown of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I remember being nervous. We even bought a camcorder on the way so I could, you know, videotape me walking into the house and meeting him. And there was something that clicked on the way that said, have no expectations. 
and be blessed with whatever it is you receive. And going into it with no expectation, I walked into a house full of brothers and sisters and a father and a stepmother who were eagerly awaiting my arrival. Um, some were eagerly, eagerly awaiting just to see what I looked like and not necessarily embracing me, but they were there. And my dad, even in all of the, the time that we didn't have together, we did bond. My father was blind due to diabetes by the time I met him, so I remember being in the house hearing him ask my stepmother, does she look like me? And hearing well, him say, oh, she has a smile or she has your nose. or I don't remember exactly. I think it was a smile that, that I remember her referring to. And I heard that out of just kind of across the room, and I thought, wow. <laughs> just that moment alone is life-changing. And if you just get that, that should be enough sometimes for some people because you're not going to get everything that you think you need. Right. And then I remember having things in my head. You know, I, I talk to a lot of fatherless individuals, and they have rehearsed <laughs> what they're going to say to their father, you know. <laughs> Let me say this right now. When he tells you he loves you and you feel it and you see it, everything you rehearse goes out the window. Wow. Um, and my father did pass on um, two and a half years into me knowing him. But in that relationship, even moments where I was like, do you have any wisdom to give me? And he would say, baby, you are so far ahead of the other children, your other siblings, that I really don't know what to share with you. But there was a day... Um, where he uncovered my secret, and I don't know if you know this, but I told this story at Diamond University, and I remember Miss Jasmine asking me. <laughs> she, I knew her request was going to come. I knew it. But my father heard me sing at my grandmother's funeral, and that was a moment where he saw something in me that he felt he needed to express. And he began to pour into my life one Monday afternoon, telling me the woman he saw me becoming. And after that Monday, he went into a coma on Wednesday and died on Sunday. And so well, I had that moment of having a father speak into your life and fill a void that you didn't even know you had. And so yeah. at Diamond University, Miss Jasmine was like, well, will you sing for us? <laughs> so I ended up singing for Diamond University, although I was just telling the story. <laughs> but Miss Jasmine made me sing that day, and I did. <laughs> And let's just say they were blown away like he was as well. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Because I know that young ladies, I mean, I have a relationship with my father when I was very young, but after my parents got divorced and I got older and grew into those teenage years, and I went through a phase where we really had little to no relationship. And I do believe, as you said, that there is a void in every girl that only fathers can fill. And so what what would you say to a young lady who does not have her father and may not even have the opportunity like you had to yeah. actually get to know them? How can a young girl who's dealing with feelings of abandonment um, unanswered questions, what can she do so that she can feel whole, so she can make wise decisions, so she won't go seeking love in all the wrong people and all the wrong places? You know, because we do as young ladies. Some do it mm -hmm. different than others. And let me let me say this. 
even when we think about the statistics that come along with being fatherless, there are so many negative ones out there that they seem to overshadow some of the individuals who may be quiet in a corner. I may not have dropped out of high school. I may not be a single mother, but I am dealing with a void, and so I become this this obsessive overachiever to prove that I am worthy. And then you also have young ladies who become the girl who wants the approval from a man. And I, I was reading this book the other day, and it's called You Have What It Takes. But one of the things it said was every son and daughter has a question. And the young lady, their question is she wants to, her father's attention, and she wants to know, am I lovely? Am I worth pursuing? Yes. And that is the job of every father to answer. Now, when you do not have your natural father here on earth, I can tell you growing up, there is a heavenly father who does provide that. And in some ways that is the cliche answer for some people, but that is also a truth that many of us who have gone through the fatherless journey have yet experienced God being a father to the fatherless as he has promised. It was really the first thing I ever heard God speak out of heaven to me at 12 years old. And I guess that was really him covering me at that moment, even when I didn't know I needed to be covered. There are other things that you can do because you're not going, let's say you don't have the access to your father and you don't get that reuniting moment because he could have passed on. He could be, you know, on drugs and that's not a great environment to um, reunite someone into. There is journaling. There are, we have peer groups around Metro Atlanta that are teaching children how to voice their truth of being in this fatherless journey because one thing I know to be true, single mothers really struggle with the concept of fathers coming back in because they have their own relationship or their own idea of who this man is. Mm -hmm. And if a child is sensing that, they are not going to share that type of information with their mother. You have to have an outlet where you can speak your truth about your fatherless journey. I have in my peer groups everyone from 6-year-olds to 18-year-olds, and they all express their truth in a different manner. Some prefer to journal and not speak up in class. Others prefer to get it out and to discuss what it is they're feeling in the group environment. And then I have individuals who are coming to me one-on-one discussing how they're feeling. Last Just last week, one of my 10-year-olds, his parents have been divorced for some time. Their father sees them on an every other weekly basis, every other week basis. So that you would think that they wouldn't be scarred or hurt, but they, the, the brother and sister have just as many emotions and just as many hurts and pains behind the divorce as you would see in a child who's never met their father. Holding all of that in, what people don't realize is it becomes this whirlwind that sucks the life out of fatherless children, and then that's how they end up repeating the cycle more times than not. The thing you fear the most is the thing that comes upon you. By a friend this weekend, we went to a play and we were discussing fatherlessness afterwards and dating. Part of the dating and divorce issue is fatherlessness. I don't know if people know, if you are fatherless, you are 92% more likely to get a divorce once you're married. And we know how rare it is to get married wow. in this day. That's U.S. Department of Justice. And I was just like, when I read that, I couldn't believe it. And young women who grow up in fatherless homes are 900% more likely to repeat the cycle and have a child out of wedlock. Mm. What do you do with those kind of numbers? Right. You reverse it and you teach them 
healthy lifestyle. You teach them functional family. As adults, as mothers, as aunts, as uncles, as stepfathers, it's our job to help break the cycle by showing our daughters this is what healthy relationships, healthy families look like so that they can begin to see it and then believe it for themselves. I'm a firm believer of that. Now, let me let me ask you about forgiveness because you you said something you know very powerful if if we don't if young people do not deal with those emotions if they don't find whether it's journaling whatever outlet they need a peer group a mentor to express themselves that unforgiveness how it's a poison to themselves yeah. i remember going through a period in my life where I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of anger and a lot of unresolved things. And I remember light bulb moment for me that said the why really wasn't the issue. And a lot of times kids want to know why. Why did you leave? Why did you not return my phone calls? Why did you get married and have this other family without me? Sometimes there is no answer that will soothe that pain, no answer that will, you know, erase all the hurt, capture all those tears and put them back. And how does a young person deal with forgiveness? I must admit, I was delusional walking into this because I was the proponent of deadbeat dads. They exist, and there are less deadbeat dads than we know. It was even something you said earlier about, you know, are the dads receptive? You have no idea how much they want to be a part of their children's lives, mm-hmm. but the broken relationship is what puts a barrier in the midst of that because they don't know how to function properly with those barriers there. Like, I'm not with her. That's not my wife. That's not my girlfriend. That's not my significant other. And then mm-hmm. I have this whole other situation over here, and how do I deal with both? One of the reasons I know God has to be in the midst of all of this because <laughs> We are in a different world where you have blended families and yes. all these broken relationships, and forgiveness is so key. I tell people all the time, I believe, you know, I love what I do, but I come up against a lot of barriers and obstacles myself. And it's because people do not understand the true essence of forgiveness. And I learned that in the last six months. It is hard to accept something such as the Fatherless Generation Foundation that is telling you, we're reuniting your children with their, their father, but you haven't forgiven him yet. Come on. So then you give me these emails that I wake up to from single mothers. I love you. My mother was an awesome single mother. But <laughs> there are some things that you did in the midst of that relationship that created that barrier. Right. It, it is. It's, it's, there's no way around that. And so as I'm looking at the forgiveness piece, Forgiveness has to be across the board. I even posted one time on our Facebook page. I said, fathers, you must repent, and mothers and children, you must repent and forgive. And a single mom came at me and said, he only has to repent, but we got to repent and forgive. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) Because that meant to me you haven't even come close to forgiving. Forgiveness is only something that God can place within your heart. It is something you have step out on before it even actually manifests. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a lot of things we do in life is 
It's a faith walk. Forgiveness does not come easy. And it's not about you forgiving the act of what they did and saying it's okay in that sense. But what you're saying is, is I know that it was wrong, you know that it was wrong, but I am letting it go. Have a clean slate, a fresh start. God does that for us on a daily basis. Yes. And who are we not to do that for others? Because right. that's holding us in a lot of bondage ourselves. And so mm-hmm. as a young person, we have to teach them now what forgiveness looks like. Because the older they get, you know, we get set in our ways, we get older, and we think we have the answers. And one thing I learned is I know nothing. That's the first thing they teach you in Bible school. Just know you know nothing. Because the older you get, the more you realize there's, there's so much more out there. I had to move some things, and um, I had to get a U-Haul. And the gentleman remembered me from years ago coming in there to tell me how he didn't meet his father till he was 27 or 28 years old. And he then talks about how when they met, him and his father had such a, like, it was like a collision. It just, everything just came out at once. And so they got into the worst argument of his life. And years later, they got back together, worked out the details. Father ended up living with him. And he said that was the best thing he could have ever done. So your first encounter may be that car wreck, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that train wreck. But now that you've said and you've done everything that needs to be said and done, now come from the place of forgiveness. Exactly. It starts within. You know, when you allow God into that space, when you allow your heart, and it's a vulnerable place to forgive, you know, because sometimes forgiveness is one-sided. Sometimes you forgive, but maybe the other person doesn't forgive. And, and maybe, you know, forgiveness cannot be contingent upon I'll forgive if you change or if you do. Yeah. Forgiveness yeah. is for you to set you free. And what God can do in that space is amazing. You know, my father, we have the best relationship. And sometimes, I mean, I'm an adult now. I'm married. I have two children. And my father lives with me and my family. When you talk about reconciliation and what God can do, it is mind-blowing to me. I, I never would have imagined ever in a bazillion years that I would have this kind of bond and relationship and love, genuine love for my dad after all that I went through. And so for young people that are listening, it's it's important for them to stay open to the possibilities. And yeah. it may not come in the way or the manner. You know, I've seen other families where maybe a father is not suitable, is not healthy, is not well. But God will send a stepfather who who steps right in and provides everything emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially that that child needs. I think for young people to be encouraged that, number one, like you said, you've got a heavenly father that loves you, and he is truly a father to the fatherless, and he's the ultimate. But even here on earth, he can reconcile, he can he can do, he can work things out here on earth any way that he wants to if we're open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I was watching, I missed it when it first came on, but I was watching live class last night on OWN. And mm-hmm. I don't physically catch it, but because it was Alicia Keys, I really wanted to see some of the, because the sound bites had me kind of inquisitive. Mm-hmm. And she addressed her fatherless issue, and it was around the issue of forgiveness. She said, you know, I have all of this stuff on the inside of me. And I wasn't even writing 
the songs like she would normally write. Most of her songs are about something she's going through or experiencing at the time. And she had this all bottled up, and she was tripping over the fact that she hadn't written a song about it. And all of the anger, all of the hurt, and all of the pain was doing nothing but hurting her the most. That's and true. when she said that, I was like, oh, my God, can I call on and get that sound bite? Like, can I, get <laughs> I need that. Right. <laughs> it's so powerful. You turn on the TV, and it's everywhere, Nicole, every mm-hmm. race, every mm-hmm. age, every generation. It's across the globe. This is not just some African-American epidemic. And a lot of people see it that way. But what it is is we have more cases of mothers out of wedlock. But then the other groups have divorce and other things that play a part into that. And that's how people have pegged it, an African-American epidemic. But there are other groups who have a lot of women who have children out of wedlock. And it's unfortunate that we would place that upon a culture and make it, oh, that's just, you know, that's the issue. It is, and if it, let's say it is our issue, why wouldn't you help? Because now it's on your TV and mm-hmm. your children, everyone else, all these celebrities are having children out of wedlock and everybody's looking at it and thinking that it's normal and it's not. It's not. It's right. not huh? the norm. God never called it to be the norm. He mm-hmm. never said that it was okay. So when I heard Alicia Keys say that, I said, more kids need to hear that. More adults mm-hmm. need to hear 30, 40, and 50 and still be at that age when mm-hmm. our father left us. Right. Still hurt. I have a gentleman who's still in my life right now, Nicole. <laughs> we don't talk all the time, but I met him at a um, conference, and we were at the VIP reception at the, the end of the conference. And so we ended up talking, and he asked me for my card, and I handed him my flyer with the kids on it. And it says, my father said he was going to the store, but that was seven years ago. Fifty-something-year-old man breaks down, and I at first I'm looking the cold one because it's kind of dark. It's in a you know it's in a a, a ballroom, and mm-hmm. I see his face change, and I'm I wasn't sure if he was crying. I didn't know what was going on. He was crying. Wow. Because his father left him at seven, and that's what his father said he was going to do. So when he read it, he he went back in time. Now, he's a great father of four. He's married, and he's been very successful at fatherhood. And that's the flip side. There are some fathers who are fatherless, and they say, I refuse to let my child go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. And there are others who feel like they don't have what it takes, or she's tripping, and they walk out because responsibility was not taught. Right. They, didn't even know, they don't even know if they're a man. That was the question that um in the book it was saying that, you have to, as a father, answer the question to your son, you have what it takes and you are a man. But when you don't answer that question, it is answered in his own mind saying, well, maybe I am or, nah, probably not. I'm going to have to go out and prove that I'm a man. And those are the things that we see in our society over and over. Individuals trying to prove that they're a man, and sometimes, half the time, it's through sex. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove I'm a man by having sex with this girl. We've got such work to do, I tell you. I'm I'm so thankful for your organization and the work that you're doing, raising awareness, helping fathers and children get reunited. How can our listeners get in contact with you, learn more, maybe get involved in some of your peer groups or even have you come out as a speaker to other organizations? Well, I am so excited about our new website. <laughs> 
because we are expanding. And our expansion is not just here in Georgia or even throughout Atlanta. We're going national and then moving internationally. So you can catch us and reach us at um, www.t, as in Tory, f, as in Frank, g, f, as in Frank. It's tfgf.org. And so we're we're going to keep moving and keep pressing forward with a lot of things that we're doing, especially for um, the children. We speak from the child's perspective. I know we're talking about the parents here today, but my organization is always going to tell you what the children are thinking. So when you look at our website, see our quotes, um, see the work that we're doing, you're going to see how it comes strictly from the child's perspective. And that's one of the things that I don't think people know. Children in this season are bringing healing into their own home. So we can be reached at um, www.tfgf.org, or you can call, it's 404-343-8490. As we conclude, if there's any advice that you'd like to leave uh, young girls with, specifically young girls who may be dealing with issues of abandonment, absentee fathers, just questions, what one piece of advice can you leave with them, or how would you encourage them? I would I would say this. It is very important as a young woman to know who you are, to value who you are. And that piece, unfortunately, is given to you by your father through the identity that he brings. But when you can't get that from him, to know that God is there for you and also know that there are other people around you, as you said, stepfathers and mentors who are around you to guide you through that process. That's how I got it. And then my father just was the icing on the cake. Allow them to impart into your life and then allow God to come and add the icing on the cake um, as it is needed and when it is needed. Well, we thank you for tuning in to A Priceless Perspective. As said here, the epidemic of fatherlessness is real and it's leaving the trail of young lives shattered and bruised. With one-third of American children, a total of 15 million, being raised without fathers, time is up for sitting back in hopes that it'll go away or simply fix itself. For fathers who may be listening, who've run away, or may have been pushed away from their child's lives, I plead with you that you will do whatever it takes to get reconnected with your child. The role of a father is by far the most important role that you will ever play. You have a responsibility and an obligation to your seed, and your presence can make a significant difference in their lives. For single mothers, our hats are off to you for your tremendous sacrifice and the burden that you carry daily. But we pray that you will keep your hearts and minds open and be receptive to fathers playing a role in the lives of their children. As painful as it may be, remove yourself from the situation and be willing to make the tough choices for the sake of your child, as long as it doesn't jeopardize their safety and well-being. For those who find themselves in blended families, keep your hearts open as well and seek ways to encourage and to foster an environment that is loving, healthy, and safe for the kids. Lastly, for young people who are tuning in today, whose fathers are not active in their lives. Find a way to express yourself in a positive and respectful manner. And if possible, let your parents know what you want and what you need. Most importantly, keep your heart open. 
Always remember that you are not a mistake. You are special and you were created for a specific purpose, no matter what your past or your current circumstances. Stand strong and know that you are loved by your parents, but more importantly, you're loved by a Heavenly Father who will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm Nicole Steele, and that's my priceless perspective. Join the conversation. Visit us online at pricelessperspective.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. This show has been brought to you in part by Simon and the Rough Youth Development Program Incorporated and Jim Makers LLC.